When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. I'm Stephanie Safarian, and this is episode 77. You are listening to the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a show about living simply and sustainably with your family. Here's your host, Stephanie Safarian. Hello there. Welcome back. Is your home a place where you love to be? Or is there something about your home that sends you running for the hills? If you answered the latter, this episode is for you. For too many of us, our homes provoke anxiety. Maybe it's because of all the clutter. Maybe it's the maintenance of the home, all the laundry, all the cleaning, all the dishes, all the cooking. Maybe all those tasks fall squarely on your shoulders and your shoulders alone. Maybe you're simply bored at home, and so you find yourself heading out of the home for entertainment. And what happens when you leave the house? You know it to be true. You almost always spend money. On today's show, we're talking about ways in which we can curate a space that is relaxing, inviting, stress-free, and clean. My guest today is Katie Shaw. She and her husband bought a hobby farm with a bunch of problems. She'll actually use the word tear down during our chat. And she's on the show to tell us exactly what she did to find love for her teardown so that she no longer felt the need to run to Target or run to the mall for external gratification. Now, before we jump right in, a quick note that today's episode is sponsored by Clean Goods. If you want to make your home a non-toxic space but find yourself overwhelmed by all those choices on the internet, cleangoods.com is destined to be your new favorite website. Clean Goods finds the best non-toxic cleansers and personal care products on the market, then helps you decide which ones are right for your family without overwhelm. There's no reason to spend hours comparison shopping because Clean Goods gives you all the information you need about a product's purity, performance, and price in a single easy-to-understand place. My favorite part? Clean Goods finds the lowest price for my order automatically. Place an order in June and you will be entered to win $100 worth of Clean Goods products. Head over to cleangoods.com for more information. Enjoy the interview. Katie, thank you so much for coming on the show and joining me today. How are you doing? I am so great. I'm so happy that I'm here. Well, I'm so happy to have you. I'm so happy to have found your blog and specifically your post about making your home a place that is stress-free, a place where you love to be at. And we're going to talk about all your tips today. But first, I want to know who are you and what do you do? I am a wife. I have three young girls, and they are eight, six, and four. And basically, our story is that we lived in a sort of McMansion-y suburb 
and lots of stuff, both of us working really busy. And then my husband grew up in the country and we decided we kind of wanted to do that for our kids. So we moved out here to this nine acre, um, we call it a hobby farm. And it came with a fixer upper house that we thought would just be super easy to fix up. And it turned out that it was a complete teardown. And we had to (laughs) totally save money. And we were really used to that lifestyle of, you know, ordering anything we wanted from Amazon, running out to Chick-fil-A, going to Target whenever we were bored. And it just wasn't going to work. It wasn't in the budget anymore. We had to cut way back. So what I started doing was thinking, you know, what are all the things I could do to save money at home, making things from scratch, gardening, all of that. And it it was interesting. It was a huge lifestyle shift for us. And that is kind of what I write about. And just because it changed my life so much, because it gave me a really satisfying home life in the end. Hmm. There's something really amazing about learning how to do things on your own so that you don't always have to run out to the store or run to amazon.com to purchase something. I love the self-sufficiency aspect so I have to ask you, you said you had a teardown house with young children. How on earth did you make your home a place that you love? Yeah. So, I mean, it was hard. It was, it, it was a really unpleasant place to be when we first moved into it. It was dirty. There were pests in it. It, had, it was just totally neglected. The septic system barely worked. And you know, our typical response to things like that is to either spend a lot of money to fix it up or to just never be home, always be on the go because your house is just such, it's a place that you hate. A lot of us don't live in tear down homes, but I think everybody has something about their house that they just don't love. For me personally, it's the fact that I'm in charge of the maintaining of the house, the making it run. So a lot of times when I'm home, I see the piles of laundry that need to get folded and put away or the dishwasher that needs to be emptied. And so for me, being home isn't always relaxing. It's actually the opposite. It's actually stress-inducing. And I think I'm probably not alone in that. So I'm wondering, why do you think it is that for many of us, the home, which is supposed to be our safe spot, isn't our safe, happy spot? Yeah, I think that's, it's kind of a hard question. And I think that there's two main components to that. And one of that is that we have this idea that Um, especially with stay-at-home moms, that yeah, their job is to take care of the home and the children. But on top of that, they're supposed to be doing a lot of other things, Um, you know, doing a lot of activities with their kids, volunteering a lot, play dates, that type of thing. And a lot of people need to sort of step back and think, you know, taking care of my home is almost a full-time job. We can't really fit it into the margins of our day. So it's sort of an attitude adjustment for a lot of people, realizing that it is a lot of work. And you just have to keep on top of it. And the other thing is, I think a lot of people are just really bored at home. And that is one thing that our society really encourages. Because when you think of like things that are sort of glamorized in our society, it's adventure and excitement and buying new things. And none of that really applies to just being at home. So we start seeing our home as all at once, both boring and stressful because there's all this work for us to do. And there's really nothing for us to do there that we actually enjoy. And our response to that is just 
go out and spend money. Oh, you're so right. My five-year-old, she ends school next week. And just this morning, I found myself kind of with a little bit of dread in the pit of my stomach thinking, okay, I have the whole summer ahead with the two kids. I'm going to have to plan something every day out of the house because if we stay home, they're going to make a mess that I have to clean up and not not happening. But you're right. I think it's an attitude adjustment because if I go out of the house with my children, I am 99% sure that I will be spending money. But if I stay home and I stay off the internet, there's no money to be spent. So you're you're totally right there. It's all about an attitude adjustment. I have to go back to your teardown house. I want to know exactly what you did with a house with a bunch of problems to find a way to love it. So, I mean, there were a lot of things that I did. And again, it was an attitude adjustment for me. I had to see it as a home that was where our family was going to live. And like it or not, this is where we were. And it was time to just love it. So the first thing I did was sort of as a way to stay home and enjoy myself without, like you said, hopping on the internet and ordering something was I had to set up something that I could do at home that was free that didn't involve me being on technology where I would inevitably start looking something up on Amazon or see an ad for something I liked on Instagram. So I had to find a little reading spot for myself, um, just a little chair. And right next to it, I had a stack of books that I liked, either that I owned or from the library that were just ready for me to go. So when I had that sort of downtime and that itch to start doing something, I would sit down and I would read, even if it was just for a few minutes. Oh, okay. But how did you keep the kids away from your special spot? So they had their own little special spots with their books. And so I had a toddler at the time. And so, you know, that was difficult, but I would just, if they wanted to climb up on my chair and read, that was fine. And I would just sit on the floor next to them. No big deal. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. So I have a designated spot. It's your it's your safe, happy spot. And I like that you have books there. Maybe you could even make it, or maybe I could even make my safe spot like a technology-free spot uh, where you just kind of center yourself with a good old-fashioned book. I love it. Okay. So what else did you do? The second thing was, and this sounds sort of unrelated, but it isn't, is I started planning my meals for the whole week because that was a number one thing that would lead me to want to get out. Oh, I don't know what's for dinner. Or I've been out all day at Target and now I don't have time to make dinner. So I would, for the whole week, I would just list out what I was going to have for dinner every night. And I don't know about you, but if I don't know what's for dinner, I start getting this like anxiety as the afternoon wears on. You know, dinner is going to be expected. I don't know what to make. And that is, you know, one of those things you talked about how your home starts to feel like a burden because it has all these expectations on you, like making dinner. But if you have that planned ahead of time, it's just such a load off your shoulders and it makes you feel like you're in control. Everything's fine. Even if I make sandwiches and celery sticks, that's okay. We're going to eat and we don't need to go out and spend money to do it. Yes. I covered meal planning actually for any listener who didn't hear that episode. It was episode 38, I believe. And I wasn't a meal planner before, but I am now. And I go to the grocery store just once a week, which really simplifies my life. Like who wants to drag the kids to the grocery store? Not me. And now we eat probably better than we ever have because I put 20 minutes aside every Sunday and I plan the meals. I plan seven dinner meals. 
it really cuts back on my stress and anxiety because for me, at least with my children in the 4.30 hour, they are hungry and cranky and tired. And the last thing I need is to be caught unprepared and off guard without a dinner in mind. I'm wondering though, since you are meal planning, are you cooking more? You know, not really, because I'm not embarrassed to do something really simple or to even put on a meal plan, something like frozen pizza. That doesn't bother me. It's just that like mental energy is not wasted all afternoon where I'm thinking, what am I going to make? What am I going to make? What am I going to make? I have it planned out. And that's what's important to me more so than the actual meal. I got it. So something else I know you do is you do all your housework in the morning. And I need to know how on earth you do this and how on earth you aren't burnt out by 7.30, (laughs) 8am. So this is something I could talk about all day, but I'm not going to. (laughs) Um, So I have a really, I don't want to say strict cleaning schedule, but a cleaning schedule that I stick to. So I have three areas of my house, the kitchen, the bathroom, and then the rest of the house, where every day I will spend 10 minutes on each of those three zones, just doing one short little task, like clean out the fridge really quick, clean the bathroom floor, something like that, pick three a day. And so that's only 30 minutes of work. Um, And then on top of that, I'll do a load of laundry, I'll do the dishes. And I find that once that is done in the morning, and that takes maybe 45 minutes, All that's really left to do on a daily basis is like straighten up, vacuum, and dust. So I've noticed that if you time yourself doing your housework, you'll find that like the actual doing of it isn't really that long. It's the like thinking about what you're going to do, getting out the cleaning supplies, and dreading it that takes so much time. If you just get to work, you'll find that a lot of those tasks you can really breeze through. And if you just do a little bit every day, it just doesn't get to that like overwhelming phase where you're dreading it. So I just want to make sure I understand you have the three zones and you pick one thing in each zone to clean that day. So let's say something blew up in the microwave, you clean that microwave for 10 minutes and then you check the kitchen zone off your to-do list. Is that right? Exactly. Yep. And I don't make a list of like things that need to be done or anything like that. I just decide as I go what I'm going to do. And it's just easy. It's flexible. And one thing that I really try to do is if I'm really busy, instead of skipping it, I'll just do something super easy. Like I'll open up a drawer that's basically organized and just reorganize it. And it'll take less than 10 minutes and then I'm done. And it seems like you're doing so little, but when you do it every single day, it just makes the house always neat enough, which is all you need. Yeah, neat enough. What I think you're really doing is household maintenance, right? You've ingrained in yourself to do maintenance. So you don't even allow your house or your three zones to get out of control crazy where the real anxiety and overwhelm is because you're constantly performing maintenance. Oh my gosh, I love that. Yeah, like think of like the idea of like spring cleaning, cleaning your whole house from top to bottom. That just sounds terrible. You know? It does. Do <laughs> if you just stay on top of it, you never have to do that. It's always done. Got it. Okay. What else do you do? So um, the next thing that really, and this really helped me when we were living in this old rundown house, was to grow something. And it can be anything. Um, we have a, you know, a really big garden, um, vegetables, flowers, berries, all that. But you don't have to do that at all. Anything that you can grow that sort of gives you something to do at home. It feels like a real productive activity. It's a really good way to sort of replace that shopping bug because you're busy 
and you're getting something out of it if you're growing something that you can harvest like herbs, flowers, or vegetables. So that, and besides that, there's this like weird emotional bond that you get to your home when there's something there that needs you to take care of it. Almost like bonding with a child. A plant will help you bond with your home in that same way. So that to me is probably the most important thing you can do to love where you are right now. Yeah, I love that. And I I don't think you did it on purpose, but you totally just plugged a recent episode I just did all about gardening, episode 75. So thank you. But you're right. This is really awkward and embarrassing. And I can't believe I'm going to say this on air, but I go outside and stare at my garden more often than is normal. But there's something about cultivating life in your home in the form of a plant. I was never a big fan of gardens or even plants, but I am a convert. And so for anybody listening, check out episode 75 and just try it. Just grow some you know, some mint on your fire escape, and then you can have mojitos all summer long. Just try something and see if it sticks for you. And it's one of those things that I think you have to do it because like you're, no one's really interested. It's like your kids or your vacation. Like no one really cares about someone else's kids or their vacation the way they care about their own. It's so just because like you see someone's garden and you're kind of like, eh, whatever, I don't really care about that. That doesn't mean that you're not going to like it because once it's yours, it's a whole different thing. Right. And once you put in that upfront time to create it and plant it and literally and figuratively get your hands dirty, yeah, you you bond with it, which so- again, sounds really weird. And people are going to think I'm the strangest, <laughs> the strangest podcast host in the world. I'm bonding with my garden. But just try it and then everybody email me and tell me I'm right. <laughs> Another thing I read on your blog that you do that I need to know like step by step how on earth you do this with three young girls. You automate less. What does that mean? <laughs> this is another one of the like wacky psycho- like psychological ones. <laughs> so it's again, it's a bonding with your home thing. So if you are, if everything in your home seems mechanical, it gives you this feeling that like you don't even really need to be there. The machines are taking care of everything. You might as well just go out to Target and spend your morning shopping. But when you get the sense that you are totally necessary for the running of your home, it's that bonding with your home that really strengthens. So um, like a lot of people... I don't do this, but a lot of people say that if you wash your dishes by hand, you'll start loving doing the dishes because (laughs) there's something about the experience and doing it by hand that you just love. I don't feel that way at all. Like I love my dishwasher, but um, a lot of things I do by hand, like hanging up the laundry or, um, you know, opening the windows every morning and letting the air cool the house and then closing them when it gets hot instead of just pushing buttons to control the climate. So things like that, it's just bonding with your home on another level. Huh. What other things do you automate less and do more of yourself? Yeah. So um, like the food processor, I've kind of set that aside and started chopping things by hand. And another good thing about it is it lets you draw your kids into what you're doing, not necessarily chopping things. But um, instead of just showing them that a machine can take care of everything, you can give, give them little jobs to do and it makes it more of a family activity, which is great. 
What would you say to listeners who are hearing this and are saying, heck no, I do not have time to chop by hand or hang up clothes or do any of the quote unquote 1950s (laughs) things, Um, you know, and I get that. But I think, again, you'd be surprised by how much time you're actually saving with gadgets like that, because most of them, you have to get them out. You have to. So like, let's take the food processor. You get it out. You assemble it. Maybe you have it in right. Maybe you don't. So it takes you a minute or two to kind of get everything set up right. Um, They break. So you have to go replace it. You have to work the hours that it took to get the money to buy it. So that's also time taken. Um, Whereas with a cutting board and knife, it's, you know, most likely easily accessible in your kitchen. So you just take it out, rinse it off, and you're done. Um, So beyond even the psychological benefits, there are practical benefits because a lot of times those gadgets really aren't saving us as much time as we think. Hmm. But I do get what a lot of people like that are saying. And we all have those things. Like for me, it's the dishes. I'm not going to wash them by hand. So this is personal. You're going to have you're going to have tasks that you absolutely are not going to do by hand. And that's fine. Hmm. Give me another one. Okay. So next on my list is to do something creative every day. And I think a lot of us, when we hear the word do something creative, we get in our mind this idea that we should be doing something like painting a picture, like something artistic. And that's not really what I mean. Um, I just mean something that is not going to be undone by the end of the day, like laundry, cleaning and cooking. By the end of the day, you might as well have not even done that because everything's been undone. But something creative that you are making that is going to last in your home, even if it's as simple as, as hanging up a picture, something simple like that. Part of it is keeping you busy. And part of it is just taking you out of that, you know, consumerism and shopping mindset that to improve our lives and do something fun, we have to go spend money. Hmm. Yeah. So that just makes me realize that, you know, my blog and my podcast are my creative outlets that I do at home that really gives me something to do and occupy my mind that isn't laundry cleaning, cooking dinner, going to Target. So I wonder maybe if it's the same for you with your blog. It definitely is. Um, it's you know one of those things where no matter what happens with it, I'm proud of it and that's satisfying and it doesn't, you know, I no longer have that satisfaction hole that I have to fill with shopping, hmm. which is important. Yes. <laughs> Next up on your list is one of my favorite things in the world, which is decluttering. Yeah. Talk to me about it. So it's it's so important. And a lot of it is just because a clutter is ugly. And that's sort of just, <laughs> it sounds simple, but that's a big deal. If you're in your house and everywhere you look, you just see piles of junk that you don't want that you spent money on. It's just depressing and it's ugly. And it's one of those things that will send you out of the house. Like if you think about like the typical, like, favorite stores of stay-at-home moms like Target and Chick-fil-A, things like that. Part of what's appealing to them is that they are kind of clean and bright and people like to be in spaces like that. So if your house is cluttered and gross, you're going to want to get out of it. So that's probably number one for me, just that clutter is ugly. And the second thing is that it reduces the function of your home so much. Everything is frustrating you all the time. You open a drawer, you can't find what you need. You're going to have a hard time doing anything else on this list if you are fighting clutter every single step of the way. Hmm. Yes. Taking that a step further is that 
if your house is a clutter-filled disaster and you know that you are the only one, like all that clutter is on your shoulders, you are the only one that is going to clean it, then that adds like a whole nother layer of anxiety to the clutter problem, which really will send you out of the house because for many of us with children, without children, with jobs, without jobs, the thought of a whole house declutter, it can be extremely stress-inducing. Let's talk about changing the view from your window. Yeah. So this is sort of one that I really had to work on when we moved this little fixer upper because I would look out the window and I saw a broken septic pipe, broken deck furniture, and this like old moldy lattice. And it was just gross. Like it was like outside clutter, even though I wasn't looking exactly at clutter, the view was cluttery and ugly. So um, a lot of us, especially with decks, I noticed this, you know, your whole house is set up to have a view of your deck. And then when you look on the deck itself, it's just sort of messy and gross. So just simply straightening that up will make a big difference. Maybe planters or a bird feeder, something like that, so that you can be in a chair at home, comfortable and enjoying something really pretty to look at, which again, helps with that need to get out. Hmm. And that kind of leads into the importance of getting outside. Your next uh, tip. Yes. Um, So natural light is huge and so is fresh air. So if you have a naturally dark house, fine. You just need to go outside. Um, And it's amazing what a difference this makes, especially if you're home with kids, is to just all of you get outside, even if it's for 10 minutes, even if it's cold, no matter what, just get outside for that little change of scenery. And you might find that you are much happier with the home itself when you come in because you've had that little change of scenery and just the sunlight and air helps you feel better. Mm, I would totally agree with that. You know, the second you walk outside and you feel a little sunshine, your mood instantly improves. So I would totally agree with that. Do you have any other tips for us? Yep. So my last one is just to change things up. So If you feel like you are bored being at home, bored with your home, the answer to that doesn't have to be going out. It doesn't have to be ordering a bunch of, you know, weird decor. You can just change things up with what you have just by rearranging your furniture, rearranging your shelves, and it's going to feel like a whole new space totally for free. Oh, yeah. Just just moving some stuff around. I must say that your ideas really got me thinking about ways that I'm going to find a way to love my home all summer long without running out and spending money. So thank you so much. Where can listeners find you and your hobby farm online? So uh, my blog is heartscontentfarmhouse.com. And I am also on Instagram under the same name. It was so great to talk to you, Katie. I wish we lived closer so I could come check out your farm and your loving house. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Stephanie. I so hope you enjoyed that interview with Katie Shaw over at Heart's Content Farmhouse. I've linked to her blog as well as to Clean Goods for all your non-toxic cleaning needs in this week's show notes at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 077. On next week's episode, I am giving you seven reasons why recycling is not as amazing as we've been led to believe. I'm also telling you where your recycling is probably going these days in 2019. Hint, it's the landfill. We'll also discuss what we can do about it. I will see you then. Take care.